I have an unusual feature on my left foot in that my fourth toe walks on my pinky toe. Now normally this doesn't bother me. I can get through the day just fine, except if you go to the Texas State Fair, something like that, or any RV show, something like that. And it causes me some pain because I can develop a really bad blister on there and then I can't walk very well for the next day or two. Steve and I do a lot of camping and when we go, we like to go hiking. I have learned that I'm limited to about three miles. At that point, the blister kicks in and I have a hard time walking. Several years ago, we went to Davis Mountain State Park, West Texas, West Texas. And before I knew it, we had hit mile four and I had to sit down. I was in so much pain. I was trying to figure out a way that Steve was gonna go back to the campsite, get the truck and drive on the hiking trail to come and get me because I just couldn't go any farther. We don't think about our pinky toes very often. It's not considered a major part of the body. But when those little parts get hurt or injured, boy, do we notice it. Our scripture this morning talks about the weaker and the stronger parts of the body. But it does so in a way to teach us how we are to interact with each other as a church family. I have read this passage so many times over the years. I'm sure I've preached on it before. It's, it's something that I talk about when we talk about our different gifts and talents and what we bring to build up the church. But this time, there was something in this passage that caught my attention that it hasn't done so before. And that's when it says... Even the weaker members are indispensable, necessary. And when I start thinking about those words, it makes me realize the weaker parts are of value. What Paul is saying here is that every person in the church family, every person in the body of Christ is of value. Every person in the body of Christ matters. Now let's be very, very clear. Those of us sitting here in this room today are a part of the body of Christ, but we are not the only members of the body of Christ. I've got a friend of mine that says everyone outside the walls of any church are also members of the bodies of Christ because they are not yet in the family. That means that every single person you pass, every single person created by God, has value, is indispensable, and is necessary. Back in June, the 280 United Methodist churches here in our area gathered for our annual conference. As a part of that, there are certain votes that get taken, and we've got ballots, and we've got pencils, and. We have members who are function as what we call tellers, which is a fancy way of saying they assist when we've got a vote. Now, for some unknown reason, I volunteered to be the head teller this year. I don't know why it came over me to do that, but I did. And at this particular conference, we were electing who were gonna be our delegates or our representatives to go on to the global 
United Methodist Church Conference next year. Voting for that took place on these electronic devices. And the best way I can describe it is it would comfortably fit in your hand. For those of you who are <clears throat> of a certain age that you actually use calculators, it was roughly that size, or it looked like a large Blackberry. It had numbers on it and different buttons. About a week before annual conference started, I got an email from a clergy colleague of mine who is confined to a wheelchair, and his hands have distinct motor skill issues. He was concerned that he would not be able to work the electronic device in order to vote. Yet his vote was just as valuable as every able-bodied person in the room. I asked my friend Tom to sit with him so that Justin can communicate to Tom, I want to put these numbers in, Tom could enter them in, but it doesn't end there. The chancellor and the bishop up front who were watching the voting knew to watch my friend Tom because he would do a thumbs up when that vote was complete. This weaker member physically in the body was given a place of great honor because we didn't move forward until he was done. In a church family like this, we may not want to use the phrase weaker members, we may want to use the phrase vulnerable members. And I immediately think of our children who are here. Yet those of you who have worshipped in this place before know that as far as I'm concerned, they are the most important people in the room. You know that I designed worship around fourth and fifth graders, right? You're my favorites. You know that, right? You know that, right? But at the same time, and I wanted you all to notice, Lisa turned to me and asked, do I need to use my microphone today? Absolutely. It's not because my voice doesn't carry, because my voice can carry but it's because Walter and June and Dorothy are just as important. And sometimes, you know, that hearing just goes a little bit, and we need a little help. Every single person sitting in this room today is of value. Every single person sitting here today matters. Every single one. I love in the passage that Lisa read that it says one body part can't say to another part, I don't need you. How much pain has been caused in this world by somebody saying, I don't need you? How much hurt and hatred has been created because somebody had the audacity to say, you don't count, you don't matter, I don't need you? This passage says the opposite. Every single person matters. One thing that I find challenging in this passage, and it makes me stop and think, how does someone who maybe has an eye that doesn't work, or an ear that doesn't work, or maybe a body part that just is either no longer there or is just aged out and it's just not working, how does somebody with, with a body that has difficulties read this passage? When you're talking about body parts and I've got one that's either not working or missing, how do I see this passage? And it makes me ask the question, how do people in the world who have been told you don't count, your voice doesn't matter, 
you are hurt, you are less than? How does someone like that view the church, view the body of Christ? There's another clergy colleague of mine named Tom Hudspeth. Tom is deaf. He's profoundly deaf. And yet he is on staff at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. He preaches every single week in a service designed so deaf will feel included. That doesn't mean there's only deaf people in the room when Tom preaches. And it was at another business meeting several years ago that Tom presented legislation to the Methodist churches here in this area. I don't remember the details of it, but I know that it had to come from the point of view of disabilities. It had to come from the point of view of people who live life in a little bit different way because of their constraints. And I distinctly remember how much more power was in that resolution because it was coming from Tom. Someone who can stand up and say, I know how this feels, and I still matter. I still matter. There are people in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our lives who live life a little bit differently, and I think a big part of that is so that we can learn how bad we are at loving others, how much more work we need to do to love better. In the month of July, we had a sermon series on what is grace. We talked about that God's grace is God's love poured out upon us unconditionally. We talked about that God loves all people and that God lo God's love comes to us and that grace is free in us and free in all people. So I decided in August we were going to have a sermon series on well, what are the means of grace? How does God bring that grace, bring that love into our life? How is the church a means of grace? We've talked about that the means of grace can be classified as works of piety, meaning religious stuff, prayer and spiritual stuff. And then there's this category called works of justice, and I think the church falls in that part. That the church is a means of grace because of the works of justice. And in this church, some of them are pretty obvious. Seven Loves East, the food pantry that operates out of here that serves well over 400 people a year. A miracle. We have a different mission every month. That's an act of, that's an act of grace. That's a, that's a work of justice. Think about, there's one thing that I love about this church above everything else is that when somebody calls this church and says, I need help paying a bill, this church loves nothing more than to be able to say, you got it. We can take care of that for you. But there are other works of, church, other works of justice within the church that maybe you don't know about. Simple things that demonstrate God's love. There's a local homeowners association that is asked to use our fellowship hall in a couple of weeks for their local meeting. We're not charging them for it. We don't need to. It's just an act of love to say, here, go ahead. When Dr. Niven started as the superintendent at Community ISD, his very first meeting that he called on his first day of work was breakfast with the area pastors. That's the first people he wanted to meet. And we prayed for him in English and in Spanish. 
and it was a delightful time, but he repeats that story all the time. Just this past week, the churches fed the executive administrative staff at Community ISD, and that's the first thing that Dr. Nivens told them all. Oh, and by the way, here's, here's just a little nugget of joy. In this meeting, they said, who wants to pray for the food? Now, I'm thinking I'm the only female pastor in the area. They're never going to ask me. Guess who they asked to bless the food on Tuesday? That was, that was pretty cool, I thought. You know, there's another thing that this church does on an annual basis that we may not think of it as a work of justice because we just have fun doing it, but it is an act of love in this community, and that's this back-to-school barbecue. Because we tell people, come on, come eat with us. Come have a burger, come have a hot dog. It's simple, but every single thing is filled with love. There's another way that the church is a means of grace and a witness of love. Ashley read it on the luggage tags. God loves who? All people. There's no exception to that. God loves all people. All people. And that is a witness and a word of love that we preach, that we speak, and that continues to be said. That is a means of God's grace because it is telling everybody around here in this community, guess what? God loves you. If you were sitting here today thinking that God can't possibly love me enough because I've done this, I've said that, I've made this choice, I've made that choice, let me rest assured and tell you unequivocally, without question, Jesus died on the cross for you because God loves you that much. Everybody repeat after me, God loves me. Say, Jesus loves me. Leave here knowing that without question. And that is how a church is a means of grace, because of that word. When we read this passage of scripture, we read everybody matters. Everybody has value. Nobody is a throwaway. Every voice matters. Everybody counts. Those words are a means of God's love. That is a means of grace. I want to close with a quote and then one final story. This is the way Christians should live life in community together, giving special attention to the weaker members of the body, making sure no one is hurt, excluded, or dishonest. Excuse me, dishonored. Put it another way, this body of Christ is to make sure that everyone is celebrated, welcomed, and cherished. Celebrated, welcomed, cherished. That word cherish, isn't that a special word? That's more than feeling love, that's feeling love. Matthew Cook was three years old when he was diagnosed with Angelman's syndrome. This is a rare disorder that affects the nervous system. In Matthew's circumstance, it, it causes him to have difficulty speaking, and he doesn't have very good balance. Well, this year, his parents decided they wanted to go and meet other parents of children that had Angelman syndrome. It's called AS. And they wanted to, to travel a little bit and go see all of that, and so they thought the best way to go would be with a travel trailer pulled behind a pickup truck, something Steve and I know a lot about. 
there's an issue with travel trailers. They're not exactly the most stable of things. They have things called stabilizers that could be called suggestions. <laughs> and you gotta get them level. And so for anybody, and then you gotta walk up steps to get into them. And so anybody who's got a little bit of an issue walking when you're inside a trailer, you feel like you're in a fun house a little bit. So they were concerned about how Matthew was gonna manage this. 30 RV companies donated $26,000 worth of accessories to put on this travel trailer just for Matthew Cook. His family toured seven states this summer in that travel trailer. These companies said, you are of value. You are necessary. You matter. Those words are why the church is a means of God's grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.